You're listening to Agency Highway. This is a podcast for agencies that want to grow their business and work less. Agency Highway is sponsored by Content Snare, a platform that helps digital agencies gather content from clients without digging through a storm of emails, huge attachments, and messy Google Docs. Sign up at contentsnare.com and use the chat widget to say you heard about Content Snare on Agency Highway, and you'll get a 30-day trial instead of the typical 14. Now, here's this week's episode. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Agency Highway. This episode is all about UX and UI design and why it's so important for web designers to consider. And today I've got Peter Neri joining me. Peter, thank you so much. Hello, James. Thank you so much for having me. It's a real pleasure to be here. I I find this so funny because this is the first time we've ever, I guess, spoken. I was going to say face-to-face, but of course, it's via Zoom, as uh, pretty much everyone I know these days on the internet. Uh, First time we've actually spoken, and I've been seeing your name pop up in groups pretty much forever since I started (laughs) this online journey. (laughs) Can't get rid of her. (laughs) We're we're all in the same groups. I've heard nothing but good things about you, so it's so... Oh, thank you. So much. It's so freaking awesome. The thing is that I knew you before I actually started. I knew you because of Content Snare, which I did use. And then I realized that you were also, you were in the same group and we were sharing friends. I was like, that's interesting. You know. (laughs) It's a funny yeah. little world, uh, and I imagine a few of the other guys listening to this will be the other podcast hosts from this space. We all listen to each other's stuff, and it's a little, what's the word, incestuous? I'm not sure. but <laughs> Well, it, it is a word that comes to mind. It, it, it is. But because I, in fact, what's really interesting is that because what I do is really, it is tool agnostic. I operate mostly in the WordPress sphere but it, it what i do is absolutely applicable to any system well what contest now is as well you know anybody can use yeah. it you don't have to be a wordpress user so i have also been operating because they've called me in the uh, type 3 environment do you know type 3 i do not type 3 is another cms that's uh, php based okay and uh, but they're much more they've used a much bigger uh sites it, it there's no the, the ecosystem is is very different it's much more agencies than the wordpress ecosystem but basically they're similar and, and they invite me to their conferences and it has been so interesting to realize how much we're uh you go oh my god i'm not i don't know anyone here and whereas <laughs> where i go things i know everyone yeah. and mostly and so often you see someone and you're like, oh, I know you so well. And in fact, it's the first time you've, you've met in person. Yeah, all right? the time. I remember meeting Lee Jackson for the first time in real life. And it was just like, this is so weird. Yeah, He's like, you're taller than I expected or shorter than I expected. It's always, you know, you've got a picture of yeah. someone in your mind. Anyway, we are totally off topic. Uh, let's, let's dig into UX and UI design. Um, this is a topic that's close to my heart because... Uh, we're going through a pretty big UX um, or UI design of content snare at the moment. And we spent probably yeah. two hours on last Friday just thinking about what text to put on the friggin' buttons to make it really obvious what they do. It's just crazy. <laughs> How important. The UX of copy. There's a, it's hugely important. There's an episode in my um, video interviews just about that with the uh, head of content of SiteGround because she talks about the UX of copy. It's, yeah. it's so important. 
and it's really massive. Yeah, well, this is this is uh, both the copy and um, the back end. You know, like of what what like as they're moving through a form to put content in for web designers. Obviously, that's what Content Snare does. Um, just so they know what the button they're doing is sorry, the button they're clicking is actually doing to make it really, really obvious because we have very non-tech savvy people using it. It's got to be really, really obvious. But let's let's start with what's what like a definition of the difference between UI and UX. I think I have a good idea, but you're probably gonna gonna just turn that on its head. <laughs> yes, no, I, I'm sure I won't. But uh, what UX is user experience. It's as simple as that, really. And it's essential because if you think about it, every website gives the users an experience. What I, and actually, I've stopped calling, by the by, I start talking, I've started talking about products rather than websites because really website is very reductive, whereas we are building digital products and every website is also an app because it is a product, ContentSnare is a product. So I think that using the word website doesn't fit my vision anymore. So I think product is 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 better. But anyway, so okay. whether you've thought about UX or not, whatever you do, whatever you offer is going to give the people who use it an experience. So uh, that means that it's on as as well as offline. Uh, I mean, you have a you have a completely online business but at the same time there are interactions there are offline for instance i i think i heard that you send gifts out i think <laughs> that's something that you do that's user experience so user experience is what happens to a um person when they land on your uh, site on your products on whatever you're selling them and how they experience what you give them what happens to them once they get there but it's also what happens offline and it also how you communicate with them via email how uh, you set the tone of your company it's everything about that which is why the ux of copy is also so important and that's why user experience is an endlessly fascinating subject for me i don't think it will ever end that you, you it's something that you never end yeah. digging into improving making better it's it's uh, that's that's what it is because it's potentially huge because when you start thinking okay well the first thing i need to sort out is where i want my user to go as they land on my website and then as you were just saying uh then you go okay but does the button say the same thing on this page as in the other page or is the menu clear am i using the same language so there's so much to to um keep in mind which is why it's good to start planning it as early as possible basically yeah i've never thought about it in such a like a big terms i guess you know like the when you're sending gifts out for example or emails and i mean i guess it's sort of encroaches on branding's territory a little bit there you know yes very much yeah the brand you're trying to put out or the, the yeah the way you act around people um man this is this is really cool so in that case then, like how do you approach UX for a new project that you take on? Like where do you even start? Well, the, the, where UX starts is you ask questions. Basically, you ask as many questions as you possibly can. And I think that, I mean, the reason why I approached it is that I am 
I was a designer for print. I mean, I still design. In fact, I'm missing print because it was, in a way, was so much easier. You design a book, you design a book, that's it. It doesn't move. It doesn't do anything. But and the interesting thing is that when I moved to the web, I was like, oh great! Now I don't have to worry about you know twenty thousand copies having a typo in them. But <laughs> I've, I've since realized that that is the one positive aspect. But otherwise. The web is more, much more interesting, much more fun. But my God, there's so much more to take into consideration, and that's where and that and UX makes the whole difference because I think that the web forces you to think about your users in a way that a creative designer or a designer for print didn't used to do. You didn't have to take that into consideration as much. So basically, the starting point is by asking questions, and the way I approach UX is. Because there's this big myth that UX is for people with a big team or a big budget. And I really don't think that that's the case. I think that, that you can use a UX process, even a very, very reduced ones, one, even for very small clients who don't even know you're giving them UX because they, would, they might freak or they might think, oh, what is this? Or I can't afford it or whatever. But you can build a process in whatever you do. And in fact, I think that Many of us are doing a form of UX. They just don't know that they're doing it because whenever you start asking your client questions, that's what you're doing. You're paving the way for the experience of the users of the website. Then, of course, it goes quite a bit deeper into that, but I think that the most important thing is to have the UX attitude in your mind when you do things. At, at, when you start approaching a project, and in a nutshell, what the UX attitude is, is that you put the users at the center of everything that you do. And this is such a huge mental shift to make for a lot of small agencies and a lot of freelancers to deal with their clients. And it's a shift that we must get the clients to make because it still happens all the time, even with clients that maybe they're asking for an app. So that means they're, they're a bit maybe, you know, a higher level of understanding than another type of client, but they still want what they like. They still give you a brief based on their preference. And that's the big change that needs to happen because it's not about what I like or what you like. It's about what is best for the people that use your product. Yeah, that's what it is. And I imagine that would have to start with having a pretty intricate understanding of who that target audience are. Because yeah, because so yeah, yeah. I've definitely noticed this shift in myself over the period of you know being involved with the building of Content Snare. Like I don't build it myself, but I sort of help uh, with the UI side of things and the UX. And and we every time we're building something, we have to think, okay, so one, does the web designer who's building this content request are they going to understand what these buttons do, whatever, how this all works? But then from the client side where it's someone who is completely non-tech savvy, you know, we've had to develop an understanding of how they think. And that's taken a long time, you know, because it's very easy as a designer to, to go, okay, yeah, this is really clear to me. This is like how this should work. But then that's just not clear. It might not be clear at all to the, to the end user. And so we're starting to develop an idea 
of how simple stuff needs to be. Um, and so that's like the, the um, mindset I have to take to everything. Now, every time we put a new button on the page, it's like, okay, is it really, really clear that's where you've got to click? <laughs> because there's, you, you hit the nail on the, on the head. There's, there's two really important points to make here. One is the empathy point, which is where everything starts from. And the second point is the fact that it's never-ending optimization <laughs> and it's listening. And on, on this second point, I want to make a, a little, um, a little po another thing that uh, you may not know, but I think how long have you has Content Snare been around now? How many uh, years? Twenty sixteen, couple of years, two and a half or something. Yeah. Okay, so I think I was a very very early uh, adopter, and. I remember that there were things, well, it, there, there was things that were not quite working and I didn't understand and, and I uh, got in touch with support and uh, you listened, you just changed it. Straight <laughs> away. I was like, wow, who are these people? This is amazing. And it was both, it was bugs. I had bugs that made it impossible for me to do things. Mm. Um, and there was a bug. And then it was other observations about how you were explaining things and I was like I don't understand because this is what I think it's doing but it's not and you changed it and I was like <laughs> it's fantastic <laughs> so that is UX that that is UX and basically in in that it's never ending so that's another so the two mentality shifts with typical small clients is one is empathy be empathic with the people who use your product and I'll explain who those people are because it's more than you think Mm. And in the second place, the minute I give you the website, that's not where the website ends. It kind of is where it begins. And in fact, I'm a real proponent of the uh, growth-driven um, uh, growth design uh, approach, which is a HubSpot approach. But basically, you launch, you do a hell of a lot of research beforehand, as much as you can, and then you launch a, a good enough website and then you keep optimizing and improving it, but you don't, you never launch a perfect website anyway, but launch, you know, the, the sprint mentality. It works because you cannot improve your product until people start using it. You just, you, you can't be in other people's heads. And that's the, then the empathy bit. So the empathy bit is the most important bit that everything must start from. So that's why, that's why you ask a lot of questions. But the empathy has to be with the people that use your website. You cannot be in their heads, so always be aware of this because sometimes we use empathy and we, we think we're being empathic, but actually we're just applying our own experience to someone else's and that's where the mistake can be. Oh, I so think I a make, lot of us are very guilty of that and that's exactly what happened. Yeah, it's, it's really easy. Totally. So it, it's, for instance... You know, you cannot, you, there's no way you can ever know what it is like to be heavily pregnant and unable to reach the keyboard. And if you've never been a heavily pregnant or if you've never worn a pregnancy, uh, you know, fake pregnancy belly, which exists. And <laughs> but you just be aware of that. Just think, yeah. well, I actually, you know, be humble and think, I actually can't know. So, but you can do things such as disconnect the mouse and see how, how you get on if your website isn't responsive in that way you know there's all small things that we can do but another so that's one thing that the clients need to understand and usually they don't and 
that's why I like so much the, the UX process and educating clients to it, because it means that then we have solid reasons behind our decisions. So if someone says, you know, make the logo bigger, you have an actual good reason. You, you, know, you know what I mean? Yeah, we're all familiar with that. And you have a really good, probably various sets of reasons because that, that, that goes also into the UI. But you, can't, you probably already have a UX reason why it wouldn't be the best experience if the logo were that bigger. And then it goes into UI, obviously, at that point. But um, So that's my, my thing because everything that I do, I, I didn't say at the beginning, but I have this. Uh, it's sort of an educational project which is called Design for Geeks and it's aimed at bridging the gap between uh, developers, marketers, and design. So because there's a lot, lot of us on the web these days and not everybody's a designer, but we're all building stuff. So I just want for people to understand that design can be actually accessible to everyone and it's just going to make things better for you. It's going to give you solid reasons behind your choices. So I'm kind of going, I started with the empathy. I don't want to go too far. Well, I want to dig into something you spoke about there a little bit, um, especially yeah. the, the design sprints and, and not launching a perfect website. Uh, and then you mentioned uh, client education because that's exactly what I was thinking. I'm like, how do you educate clients and get them okay with not launching a perfect product slash website. Uh, I imagine, like I can just imagine there's people listening to this going, yeah, right, my clients aren't going to accept a okay. not perfect website, <laughs> air quotes. Uh, yeah, how do you get clients on board with this? Well, you need to, it's a conversation that needs to happen before you take them on. And they, you need to hit them where it hurts, which is you're going to, you're not going to sell if you don't do this. What I'm, what I'm giving you is a process that I'm, is going to make you know what your clients want. And you can base your decisions based on what people really want rather than what you mm. maybe think, and you, which usually is what you want. And that could be a point want. of differentiation too, you know, like yeah. imagine if you came into a sales meeting, like instead of being like, oh, yes, we'll build you a five-page website that does this or this and this. And instead you come in and you're like, no, we're just going to build you a piece of crap. No, not really. But <laughs> we're just going to like, we're taking this different approach. We don't like the, the conventional uh, website building approach. And this is how we like to do it uh, it's because it gets better results, whatever. And you can actually give them some numbers and some reasoning why it's better. Yep. I imagine that would be a very big differentiation point because, I mean, everyone's kind of sick of the same old, same old. In, in Absolutely. And it's what is going to make the difference between people between us and Wix. Hmm. There is no other reason because, you know, otherwise everybody's going to say, well, why would I go with you and I can just build a or take a template off Wix? And, you know, the, the you know, age old Wix WordPress thing. And that's the difference. Okay. That's, you know, that has to be the difference. And also because if you do it like this, if there's a mistake or something that doesn't work, it doesn't cost much to go back and, and make it better mm. rather than if you've done something that's very, very perfect down to the pixel, then it's much more difficult. And actually, th 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 with this kind of process, the design process becomes very, very short and you can do things really, really quickly because you've already established so many things and so many points in the in the research phase that it, it becomes and and research and planning because the design phase is where you start putting deciding 
you know, what a, what, what a user flow is going to be, all the things that you were talking about. And that really is still planning, but it means that the actual UI, which is the actual design phase, is so much quicker because you've already made those decisions. You already know. And then if, if um, people land on the website and don't do what you expected them to do, which happens, then you change it. And by then you have user behavior to count on. And, and that's going to, that's pressures. That's what, that's the key. You know, that's this to the secret garden really where everybody buys your stuff. How do you know what people are doing on the site? Like what, do you have some tools and stuff that you use? Do you do the whole screen recording thing? Uh, you can. Okay. There's, there's uh, various ways of doing it, doing this. Now, this is the bit that people get scared about and that I had to research to work out how you can do it cheaply, you know, because for instance, there's tools like um, user testing, I think it's the biggest website. And, you know, I got in touch with them when I was doing all my research and then basically they charge this, this, they start from 15 grand a month. (laughs) Yeah. So that's clearly not for the kind of clients that I still deal with. And actually I don't like working with very big, corporations because I have done that and it's got its own disadvantages. So um, not that, but there are a lot of other websites that give you uh, affordable user testing, real, real people, real users testing. Yeah, I'm trying to, trying to remember them now. I know Hotjar can do it uh, and Mouseflow. Well, Hotjar is more, uh, yeah, but Hotjar is more, that's, uh, that's heat maps and heat maps are great. And Hotjar is not particularly cheap, but it's not terribly expensive either. And heat maps are brilliant. You know, they're really, really great. And I believe they do have recording too now. At least as they say they are, it might be a new feature. But uh, if you're listening to this and you want to look out for what um, kind of tools do this, what can, what can they search for? Like session recording? Is that the... I have, I have just to, sorry, interject. Yeah. I, have, well, I have a... Um, well, the course that we'll talk about later, but there's a, a um, blog post on my website that's okay. called UX for Everyone. The, the website is designforgeeks.com mm-hmm. and it has quite a few, it has various uh, tools, not the complete list because the complete list is in the course, but there's various affordable tools there that you can have okay, a look cool. at. And- we'll, um, we'll obviously link that up in the show notes. Yeah. So if you head over to agencyhighway.com slash 52, uh, you'll land on this episode and be able to go to that link. Because my memory is terrible. So I would probably say the wrong names, uh, but there are, there are quite a few that are really affordable. And I'm oh, not saying I found it. I've just, it's been driving me nuts, uh, the tool that I used to use and I've been Googling uh, here. It's Lucky Orange was the one we used to use. Lucky Orange, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, there, are, there are loads because a lot of people are waking up to the fact that really UX is silly to not do it because uh, if, if, you know, if you don't give your uh, visitors a good experience, then what, what are you going to give them, you know? Mm. And, and my point is that, yes, I look, talk about it in detail, but actually, push comes to shove, you can do it in two hours. You can do a two-hour UX process, but at least you've done it. At least you have some idea. You, you can definitely do it. And there's, um, there's also another course by... Uh, which will be in the notes because right now, uh, oh yeah, but anyway, it's in Creative Live. Uh, the name of the guy, I, I, I re- really have to apologize. 
uh, I can't remember, but um, he, he, there's a really lovely, very short course where he says that. He says, you know, I used to work with huge companies and UX would take months and months and it was a huge team. But actually now that I work with startups, because I love it, and I don't even tell them I'm doing UX. I just put them in a room and start asking them questions for two, three hours about uh, about their users, about the personas and about all that. And I don't even tell them we're doing UX, but I do it. You know, mm-hmm. the, the central point is that you cannot skip it. Otherwise, yes, they could go to Wix. That's, you know, that's the main yeah. point. Do you think we could uh, briefly outline the steps involved um, in the UX process uh, just so someone can get started? You know, if number one is that, that like interview process, um, is that yes. number one? So it, it, it is number one. So I, uh, I like very much the design thinking process, which is a research process, basically, that's user-centered, which is what UX is all about. It's user-centered design. And the design thinking process, it comes from, uh, there's this uh, um, design agency called IDEO, which is... Uh, you know, Silicon Valley base and so on. And design thinking has its detractors, but it's a process that starts with empathy. So that's what I like. And again, with a proviso that you do empathy the right way. And and then UX has a much deeper process, but what I've done to make it easier for smaller people is I've sort of condensed the two things. So um, the design thinking starts with empathy. So that's where you do all the research. So the first step would be research. So is that's where you start with the interviews. And the interviews, there's two types of interviews that you need to do. One is for the business owners and the other is the users. So the business owners, the, stake, the so-called stakeholders, and they're also users. Mm-hmm. You know, they're also – and also users is such a – the humans that use the product because user is – dehumanizing there are you know so many different people actual humans that use our products the owners of the business are also users so we do need to listen to them we need to make them aware that it's not about what they like but we do have to listen to them and there's an another point which is also the employees of the business owners they need asking questions as well because they use the products as well and they're aware of stuff behind the, the, the scenes that maybe the owners are not aware of. And then there's the users, the actual people that use the website. And that's where people go, how do I find out? I don't have them yet. It's a startup, whatever. So there are ways. I mean, there are tools that we were saying. It could be, you know, total strangers that use your products. But you can, you always have potential users you can find them in the you know thousands facebook groups that we're in if you ask a question you you find it, it's happened to me with various cases i was like i'm working on this project this is who the audience is and people say oh yeah i like that oh yeah i'm a skateboarder you know what i mean i'm a i'm a i want to go in the camino de santiago you'll always find someone and so that's where you should start from because let's face it we're all online all the time and yeah. i have i mean my, most of my friends are on that sounds really sad it's not true but anyway you know what i mean (laughs) but also you can do it if you want to do it cheaply ask anyone any friend of yours to just land on the page and see 
if they understand what it is. Mm-hmm. You know, that's already that's already user testing. If they say, I don't get it, I don't know what the website does, then you have a you know you have a problem, you need to sort it out. And anybody anyway, anyone who isn't you or the owner sometimes, because you're both too close, you suffer from proximity blindness. For sure. And you can also do guerrilla testing, just go literally going to Starbucks. There's always people with computer, wherever you are in the world, people use Starbucks as an office. Go in there and say, look, I'll buy you a coffee. Sorry to bother you. I'll buy you a coffee. Can you use this website and tell me <laughs> what you think? I mean, and people don't say no. But if you're introverted, maybe you don't want to do that. But there are, you know, there are ways that's, online. That's awesome. I mean, a co-working space could be another option for that too. Obviously, you would probably be a little bit more friendly with people in those situations. So it might not be as big of a hurdle uh, to, as approaching a random person in Starbucks um, if you're an introvert. Uh, so that could be an option. Like, yeah. I definitely see that kind of stuff happening in co-working spaces. And also, don't think that you need like thousands of, of results for user testing. You just you, maybe sometimes a five, two, one can already give you something just as long as someone does it. And this is something that can be for, especially for some type of person or some type of designer. The hurdle here may be that we're used to showing things that are perfect. So you feel like if you're showing something that you know isn't perfect, that you're going to be judged. But that's why, you know, relinquish the ego. Ego, just away, please, just don't. It's not about you at all. It really isn't. And that's, um, that's another big lesson and, and that we learn, I think, when we start thinking about things in terms of UX, which is a completely different lens on the world. It, seriously, when you start understanding that everything is an experience you start looking at the world in a different way it's it's uh it's so interesting yeah and and, and, yeah go ahead (laughs) there's um don norman who is the you know granddaddy of ux he was the uh first one to create specific ux roles when he was at Apple in the, I think it was mid to late 90s. He wasn't there for very long, but he basically steered Apple into the iPod era, which is when Apple made the huge change. And he then moved on and created the Norman Nielsen or Nielsen Norman Institute, which is a UX institute, basically. And he now is completely against Apple because he says they're completely <laughs> now, you know, now that they're about what looks cool and not what about the UX, the principles of UX. However, he's now, Don Norman is now 83, and he's still very, very active and very healthy. But our body deteriorates. I mean, mine, you know, I never used to wear glasses, and now I do. So it's normal that with age, we deteriorate, and there are things that are not as easy to do. And there's an article that he recently published on, in Fast Company that says, I'm appalled at what I see. I mean, how, how difficult life is for me and my wife since our body is not, you know, even just opening a bottle of wine can become a huge hurdle. And he makes, because you can always make the business point. And he's saying, you're all leaving money on the table because we are, there's a lot of us, you know, the, as the population, especially, I'm, I'm talking about the Western world because we're, we're inevitably very Western biased. That's where I live and operate. So apologies to anyone who's in here, <laughs> from here. And whose life expectancy isn't as long. But it's highly likely that 
Don Norman will last. And my, my, my dad died. He was died. He was 90 and he was super healthy until almost, you know, from, so all these people uh, and I begin being one of them because of the eyesight, they need good UX. Otherwise they will not buy your products or they will be unhappy with your products and websites are products. And so many of them don't cater to people who don't see very well. So mm-hmm. then it becomes also an accessibility issue and UX accessibility is a big, big part of UX. And then we're sort of slightly moving into UI, but it's, if you start looking at the world with UX eyes, you will see these things everywhere and you will understand how it will make the difference for you. Wow, there we go. That's um, a very good case for accessibility. You know, I see that a lot of people talking about it, um, but I mean, that's that's a really good case for it. And I'm going to be honest here and say that we have not really checked or played with the content snare site for accessibility at all. So, uh, (laughs) Well, the thing is, if you do things, if you do things well, which you do, you kind of are already being accessible because often accessibility is, is common sense. But when you start going into it deeper, there's, I've, I've, the, there's two WordCamps that I've, every WordCamp I've been at recently, WordCamp for those of who don't uh, know WordPress is a, is a the conferences, work, WordPress conferences. And so many people are talking about accessibility and making mm. a business case for it. I mean, if you operate in the US, it's actually, well, Everywhere, it's a legal requirement, in fact, not just in the U.S., but in the U.S., you run the risk of being sued randomly because they can. So mm-hmm. they, they just, they're doing it because, because people can sue you and just say you haven't made it accessible and you should have done. So that's another point mm. to make. Damn, there's a lot to think about here. I'm a bit reluctant to... Um, to keep going i almost want to be like that's that's enough we don't want to melt people's brains but i I realize we uh we started talking about the steps of planning say a product or a website uh oh yeah we jumped we started with the research and jumped to uh testing uh that's kind of the end basically in a nutshell really put it super super simply Mm -hmm. there's the research bit is the first bit and that's where you do the interviews and what you find out in the research and through the interviews, uh, uh, you uh, then gets you to the site map and to the user personas. The user personas sounds like this sort of lofty title. It's simply giving a name and specific characteristics and features to the people that you know are going to use your website, so your mm-hmm. audience. And you need to do audience research anyway because you need to do it for marketing. Mm-hmm. So UX overlaps with branding and with marketing so, so much. So good UX is good branding, it's good marketing, it's good design, it's good coding, it's good everything. Yeah. But once you've done the research, that gets you the site maps and the user personas, and that's where you can get to the design phase, which is not UI yet, it's planning. You build your um, wireframes, you build your user flows, which is what a uh, you map out mm-hmm. Once you have the sitemap, you have all the pages that are going to be on your website and you map out what the users are going to do and their possible journeys. When you do it like this, you will often realize that you need to take into consideration people who will not want to do what you want them to. <laughs> so you yeah. have to build an alternative journey for them. So that's what you do with user flows and that's why you, they're so hugely important. Then 
then you do the, the testing. And I always say that the, when you do the planning, you shouldn't be doing the actual design, the UI, so that UX and UI are, are actually separate processes and that you should test on prototypes. But the reality, so just to clarify again before I dig digress again, so it's mm -hmm. research, design, but not UI specifically, planning, design meaning planning, and then testing. But the reality, the reality of, of uh, design and, and of real life is messy, you know. So you, it's not a linear process at yeah. all. You keep going back between phases, you know, move freely. Don't ever think that, that the process is is stuck and you know set in stone quite the opposite that's why i like ux because you can go back and say i got that one wrong you know no that doesn't work like for instance i always thought that people like green buttons or you know people don't like red buttons but red buttons apparently work really well so red buttons all the way so <laughs> uh, you need you know but then you can give people a reason like no 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 it's not a stop i know it's a stop color but actually people like clicking it so Whatever I give them, you know, I give them a red button. Again, button. probably something you should test as well. Exactly. Yeah. So. so yes. I can't remember what I was going to say. I've already forgotten. But uh, <laughs> I'm just looking looking at our steps here to work out. So we've got. I've I've kind of broken it down into sort of research and then and then creating your site maps and user personas and the user flows between those I guess pages on your site, um, wireframes, design, and testing. Um, I just remembered what I was going to ask. So I imagine, you know, cause this is quite a fluid process, right? You can, like you said, you can jump between steps, you know, you might have to jump back if you find something's wrong. How do you go about charging for this? Does, is this the kind of thing you have to convince your web uh, clients that it's like an agile hourly type arrangement? Yeah. Well, the thing is that if you do it like this, you can, you can actually chunk up the investment. So you, they need to understand that it, they need to have a, a budget, an ongoing budget, which is what something that I find that unless, you know, they're sort of quite business savvy and online savvy clients, they don't understand that once, you know, if they're used to a brochure that you print it and that's it, they don't really understand that a website needs, first, you know, we need to persuade them that they need a, cap, a maintenance plan for you know technical maintenance plan mm -hmm. so you do need to explain that the process works like that and that they need a monthly budget for it but if you do it like this that means that you spend less money at the beginning and then you spend money as you go along because you build it bit by bit rather than building a huge machine all at once yeah so and i imagine that would work work pretty well and to say like and okay we could sell you a website that is five grand um and then we'll go and build it and then we'll launch it and you know we don't know if it'll even work and we could have wasted it because there's no way to know without testing <laughs> or we can build you a kind of mvp website slash product and and then iterate on this and i think i think that could work really well in the sales process talking about doing something cheaper up front I think absolutely because I think that really there's a business case to be made for UX as well because people think, oh, it's going to slow me down. No, it's not. It's going to speed you up. That's what the UX process does. And it gives you yet another product that you can sell to clients and it gives you a framework that you can sell and that positions you as well as an expert in things that work rather than churning out 
something that may look nice perhaps, but that you can't guarantee. I mean, you can never guarantee anything, but that's, that also makes you human because you can tell them, look, I can't promise that this is going to work until we try it out. So I'm giving you the option of actually giving me less money to start with <laughs> and giving me more money later on. I mean, also we're all, and you know, I can't think of a single client that wouldn't be happy to say, yeah, you're making me money. So I will give you 500 a month to keep looking after it mm. basically. So that's it. And also, so the testing, what is testing when it's still a prototype becomes it's called optimization after you've launched. And optimization, as you tell us, is ongoing. You know perfectly well that your product needs constant optimization because you keep evolving it, you keep improving it, you keep listening to clients and needs change, technology changes, so you just have to keep working at it. And I think that that's the most important thing that we need as a c category we need to educate clients to i am i've now got to the point where i uh, in my qualification form on my website i actually ask not just for the budget but for the ongoing marketing budget because otherwise i, I actually don't want to work with people who just want a website or an app and or whatever and that's it I don't want to work with them. I really think they should go to other. And then I, I would be too expensive for them. They wouldn't appreciate it. They wouldn't understand it. I want to work with people that understand that a website is ongoing because whatever you do, even if it's just a website, you're going to have to do SEO. If you don't do SEO, then you have a brochure site mm -hmm. and then you should just really get a theme and someone to... <laughs> yeah, go to Wix. <laughs> Or go to Wix, yeah. I really like that asking uh, the marketing, ongoing marketing budget on the intake form. That's a really good idea. Yeah. I didn't do when we were doing the website thing. And I think that's a really, really good idea. So I changed this not that long ago, but I'm very happy I did. <laughs> Before yeah. we talk about uh, your course and, and how you help people, is there anything else you think we need to cover? Oh God! Wow! Yes. Oh no! <laughs> uh, no! 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 I, I'm joking. Well, obviously. It's, it's, yeah, we could talk about this forever, right? It, it, we could talk about this forever, but we don't want to and can't. But I think that we touched the most important things, and I think it's uh, it's the empathy thing is is a is the biggest thing, and start looking at the world, thinking, well, I can use this because I'm able-bodied, but what? would someone who isn't perfect or even you know when you're holding a child you're temporarily disabled if you're a new parent you usually have just one hand <laughs> isn't that the case so there's a lot of empathy that can be had in, in general with the mm. rest of the world so start doing that i mean it will make you a better person yeah absolutely and i i think it's it's the kind of thing you're just going to get better at over time too you know like yeah. I, there was one point where i just couldn't understand at all, you know. Um, but as time goes on, I'm starting to get better at being able to, I don't want to say think like other people because that's that'll never be the case, but like at least trying to like just adjust the way I make decisions based on what I think someone else might either. Yeah, it's just, it, it's changes over time. I feel like I've got better at, at putting myself in other people's shoes, I guess is what I'm trying to say. That's the thing. And walk with them for you know, a few miles if you can. Mm. That is exactly the thing, yes. Absolutely. So what, what is your course? So my course is a – it's called UX for Everyone because I really want to make it clear that 
anybody can do it. If you're a free, you, a team of one can do UX, mm-hmm. which I'm, I'm mostly a team of one hiring people as I need to, but you can still do it. So that's the, the important thing. And I think I also firmly believe that that's applying a form of UX process is what is going to make the difference between us and the, and the Wixers, you know, and the Squarespaces mm-hmm. and, and, and all that. And, and, and other web designers too, you know, like, like we're and other saying, web designers, it's a absolutely. good point of difference. Who price you out of the water and things like that, but you just offer something that's, that um, is just better, basically. So mm. the UX for everyone is is the angle of, of the course. And I created, well, I've been, I've been doing um, work camp talks. There's one that I did in London in, in April. And basically people were, you know, basically asking for the course. So I created, first created a, a free course, which is now uh, half of it is free, but people were coming to me saying, I did half the course and I completely revolutionized was that what I gave my clients clients the next day. And I was like, wow, that is amazing. <laughs> so people have been telling me it's changed the way I, I, I do everything just by doing half of it. So, so how do people course, get the free course? The people get the free course by going to, uh, to uh, the design for geeks website mm-hmm. because he will lead you there. <laughs> yeah, of course. And, and we will link uh, this up in the show. We'll lead you there. Basically, there's two courses at the moment. There's a, mini, there's a UX mini course, which ha- half of which is, is free. And there's a, a much bigger UX course that's on pre-sale at the moment. And that's born because people are asking me, people who did the whole free course were asking me, well, how do I, I really would love uh, user personas interviews. Uh, I would love, I would love a, a framework that I can just wholesale, uh, pick up and make my own. I would like stakeholders interviews and I would like to, uh, also go deeper into the process. I mean, there's so much that relates to UX that can be expanded on and especially the, the testing and so on, how, how you optimize and so on. So, uh, that's what the course is going, uh, to do. And the, the, aim is really to empower people and give them a tool that's going to make them much more saleable and that they can productize and sell to clients as as you know as a product and it's something that will make everybody's life better and everybody's sales go up so um and the reason why one of the reasons why i'm pre-selling the course is that Whoever buys it now, from now to the 23rd of June, it's a really low price. And there's also a payment plan because I've been in that situation. I want everyone to be able to say, yeah, you know what, I can, I can afford to do this. But also because I'm going to build it with, with, with you. You know, you're going to, whoever gets the course now will be part of the process. So I'm going to, you know, walk, walk the walk, not just talk the talk. And I am going to build it based on the feedback. So it's, I can't wait. I'm so excited about it. I'm probably going to need to interview you in like two months' time and see how the process went and just like steal I know. ideas and put it into my Zapier course, which is like, which is I want to do in that. Yes, I know you're doing that. <laughs> and I've been using Zapier extensively and I was thinking about you actually because I'm using Thinkific, which needs uh, Zapier to do a lot of connections with Active mm-hmm. Campaign and so on. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't wait for that. Awesome. Yes. Okay. So again, well, so we should say, just go to design for geeks. Uh, is that a .com? Well, anyway, it'll I be. Think .com. Yes. I think it's, it is .com. And I think it's the easiest uh, way forward. 
and the the current offer is going to be up until Saturday, no, it's Sunday, 23rd of June, mm -hmm. because that's uh, uh, WordCamp uh, Europe in Berlin. Cool. That's so if you're listening to this and it's before the 23rd of June, good for you. If not, oh, well, you can go and check out what's going on at Design for Geeks anyway. How is there a special way to get the offer? Uh, no, this, this is the offer. This is the offer for, for everyone at the moment. Okay. Yeah. There's a okay, special cool. way. I, uh, after this, after the 23rd of June, it will still be open. The price will just go up because with this current offer, so many bonuses come in. There's yeah. coaching calls. There's, there's loads of stuff that will not be, there's also workshop. Uh, there's loads of stuff that will not be an offer, an offer anymore. Also because I cannot <laughs> do it for everyone. I yeah, you know, I, this is the first thing I was thinking it, when you said that. I was like, yeah, no, nah, there's, of course, you can only do a few of those. Cause <laughs> yeah, you can't. So, so that's, that's why it's, uh, it's limited time. But it, it's never going to be a hugely expensive course. I mean, yeah. because I, I don't want to. I'd rather do um, smaller courses because one of the things I am going to talk about in this course is, course is the UX of copy. But there will be a much bigger separate course on the UX of top copy and on typography because then we're going to UI. And the thing is that I can't wait to go into UI because that's who I am. I love color. I, I am a designer. I am a designer. I'm a UI designer. Um, but my point was, oh my God, if I don't learn enough about UX, my UI is never going to be good enough. It's, if I just base it on UI, it's just what meets the eye. Mm -hmm. And that's not what it's about. So we need to start from UX, basically. That's why yeah. I got into it, really. Absolutely. So it was like, how can I become a better web designer? Because the web is so different from the real world. For if sure. You're a designer. All right. Well, again, if you want to check that out, head over to Design for Geeks. Uh, the, all the links we've talked about will be at agencyhighway.com slash 52. Peter, thank you so much for joining me. This has been a really informative episode, even for me, you know, like uh, I'm trying to deliver value to people listening to this show and trying to make it like just something that agencies can really benefit from. Um, even though I'm not doing that so much anymore, this has actually been really helpful for me too. So thank you so much. Absolute pleasure. I had a blast. Thank you so much. And sorry if I rambled on at times, but I get very excited about the whole thing. <laughs> Love it. All righty. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you uh, enjoyed it, please head over to iTunes, leave us a review or pretty much any uh, podcast app. Screenshot that review, send it through to us at support at contentsnare.com and you'll go in the running to win a year's worth of Content Snare. So thanks again and I'll see you in the next episode. Discover how to grow your agency, earn more, and work less at agencyhighway.com. Head over there to get resources from this episode and full transcripts. See you next time. This episode was brought to you by Content Snare. If you're a digital agency or just need to get content or info from your clients, Content Snare can help you collect it on time and without enormous email trails. Give it a try at contentsnare.com.